In the Holy of Holies, they didn't have chairs. Um, and what that meant was basically the work was never finished. The work was never done. You can never rest. You have to continually offer sacrifices because you are a sinner. When Christ says it is finished, he ascends to heaven and he takes a seat at the right hand of God, essentially saying it's done. Yeah. It's over. Welcome back to the Bible Distilled. This is a podcast all about the Bible. We believe that the Bible is essentially one story talking about God's reconciliation of all things to himself. So that's what this will be, is a detail, deep dive into the scriptures. Today, we are in Genesis 14. I got my man, repeat, Jonathan Perez, coming back again. Yeah, Jonathan, good to have you, man. Uh, we got some good to be here, Caleb. <laughs> good, good, good to have you. Good to be here. Um, we got some coffee today. We do. Yep, it is. A, it's a new one. It's called Alma Coffee, which means in Spanish for my non-Spanish speaking people, which would be a majority of you. Um, it means soul in Spanish. So that's pretty cool. So we're this. This coffee is literally holy. Mm. So holy. Straight out of Canton, Georgia. Ooh, <laughs> that's right. So yeah, we are. Um, we're always wanting to try new coffees. Any uh, roasters out there? If you just picked up this podcast randomly, we'd be happy to try your stuff. We'd be happy to shout out. Spon- you know, get a sponsor. You give us money, and we'll give you a shout out, and we'll get some coffee. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, where we got that from? There's a really good uh, coffee subscription uh, drink trade. Um, I don't know if there is a like referral code, maybe mm. if there is, we'll definitely drop that in the show notes and yeah. you might be able to get something free. Help yeah. us out. That's right. All right, let's dive in. Hey, we've got a, um, we got a really mysterious character, um, that we're gonna, we're gonna read in Genesis 14, this guy, this King priest by the name of Melchizedek, and I could not tell you how the heck you would say his name without hearing many other people say it. Um, It's a doozy, but it's a really, really fascinating character. Um, There's not much talked about him in this story, but uh, the biblical authors refer to him a lot, especially when we get into Hebrews. Um, So before we get into that encounter, let's kind of do a little little recap of, of where we where we've been. So last week we talked about um, Abram who is this chosen man by God um, to be a blessing to the nations. God said he would bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Um, from Abram would come this uh, people um, that God would essentially show himself to the world through. Um, Abraham is very well, Abram. Um, he is very imperfect. Um, he is not uh, the hero that we should be looking for, um, but still God is faithful uh, through uh, this very pagan man um, who hurts people in the process. But Abraham does learn some. Um, we, we saw that a little bit in letting go. 
of the last tie, I guess, to his family who God, yeah. you know, who God said, uh, leave behind your family. And well, he was imperfect in that. He brought Lot with him, right? Um, but yeah, so he lets Lot choose the land. They were so rich they had to divide it up. Um, and now we're left with the beginning of Genesis 14. There is this war that breaks out among all of these, all of these kings. Um, and some cool, some cool stuff I found actually about about this. Um, so God. God tells Abram, um, one, one of the, the command that he gives him is to go walk the length and the width and the breadth like of, of all of this land. Um, but it is, it is interesting that Abraham doesn't immediately obey that. Hmm. It says he like he pitches his tent <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't actually go do that thing. Um, so he gets some things right and then he gets a lot of things wrong but it's interesting that it, it, it says in this war, um, he goes looking for Lot. He's, he's going to track down Lot. It says he goes like s- super far north, um, as far as Damascus, which is kind of like what one uh, commentator was saying, like he was like being forced to obey the command of God <laughs> right there um, to, to go and scour the land that God said that he would give uh, Abram and, and his family. So... Um, he, you know, he's imperfect in, in how he obeys God. But then after this war, um, a lot of the kings, um, you know, they take spoils or whatever. Then we're left with these two kings that talk with Abram, um, the king of Sodom and then this king of, of Salem. Um, and it's very different in how Abram interacts with these two kings um, when we get to verse 18. So, Jonathan, how about you... Uh, how about you read that um, when we this uh, this interaction we get with this with this strange priest king? Yeah, no problem, Caleb. This is Genesis fourteen, starting in verse eighteen. It says this: Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, "Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth." And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Mm. So we're spending the this whole podcast um, on this guy um, because really, you know, not not just for the sake of like diving into really obscure things. Like this guy's really important for. Not only just like understanding, I think the the narrative, but but having a clue into like Jesus as as his role as as priest. So yeah. I, I think like yeah, the more we can understand who Melchizedek is, I think it'll enrich our understanding more of who who Jesus is. Um, so yeah, that's what really the rest of this is going to be on is this guy. Yeah, I mean, also. I mean, he's only mentioned here in, in the Old Testament in, in the book of Genesis and in, in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we get this basically, basically Hebrews exposits um, Genesis chapter 14 for us. Yeah. So, you know, he's mentioned in Genesis, the Psalms, and then in Hebrews. So 
obviously the Bible thinks he's important and we should also think he's important and a character to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's two, there's two Kings. Um, there's a King of Sodom and then there is this, uh, King Melchizedek. Um, and one, one of the just really interesting things that I, that I saw, um, is that he, he's not a part of like Abram's family or his tribe, but he confesses that um, Yahweh is the one true God. Yeah. Um, so he says, "Blessed be Abraham by God, Most High, Creator of heaven and earth." So like he is, he is a worshiper of the one true God. Yeah, and there's this contrast too, and the similarities. So the similarity starts out with, you know, Abram was a pagan, who. Yep eventually found the one true God and he worships, you know, wherever he goes. And then we have Melchizedek who, you know, would have been around the Canaanites who worshiped their own gods. Especially. Well, he, yeah. He was a Canaanite. Yeah. He was a Canaanite king. And especially, you know, when they worshiped Baal, Baal, the, you know, the God of, of thunder and the God of the storms and, and, and the God of the harvest, like, so there's the similarities where they're both technically outsiders or they're, they're foreigners in a sense yeah. where the God that they worship doesn't align with the, the God that the country they're in worships, Yeah, you know? And so we see, um, even in his name in the beginning and we can break that down, but Melchizedek means, you know, stood for righteousness, King, King of righteousness. Mm. And so, and he was from, um, Salem, Salem which, which means peace. Yeah. So, yeah. Go. In verse eighteen says, "Then Melchizedek, which means righteousness, the king of Salem, which means peace." So, you know, we we see these characteristics of this man, um, that honestly it didn't fit with anybody else. So, what we understand from the passage is, Melchizedek is is both a king, mm-hmm. and he's both a priest. Yeah. And that those two things didn't go together. Right. And so, um, in the old Testament, we get, uh, the story of, I think it was Uzzah. I can't, I think it was Uzziah. It was Uzziah. Um, and basically in Israel, um, you know, no King could be a priest and no priest could be a King. And so when Uzziah, the King of Judah, you know, he attempts to offer incense to the Lord and he enters the temple where only the priests could go, not the kings. Mm-hmm. God judged them by giving him leprosy, right? Mm-hmm. And king, and he died later on. And so, um, in Israel, there were these checks and balances. The same way we have the government as checks and balances. Mm-hmm. A person couldn't be a priest, and a person couldn't be king at the same time, because on because it that person would eventually become corrupted, you yeah. know. And so we see, we see Melchizedek as both king and priest. Um, and you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's actually a really good point because so Genesis 14 is, is the first time that we actually get the word priest. Right. Um, but it's not the first priest itself of, of God because, um, Adam and Eve were Mm. actually the first royal priests and break that down, Caleb. What does it mean to be a priest? Like, yeah, what what does that title mean? Yeah, because you know, and I think 
I think there's a lot of baggage around that word, um, right? Where, um, I mean, for for good reason. It's, you know, priests from from what we have understood, it's, there's some tie to the spiritual, um, but, you know, in in history, there's been a lot of corruption um, with with priests and taking bribes and, and saying that you can, have access to God if you have enough money and just, just all of these things. But, um, from the, the biblical understanding of, of priest, it, it really does go back to Genesis one and Genesis two, where priests were the, they essentially what they would do is they would be in charge of the sacred spaces. Hmm. Um, they would carry out, um, worship, worship practices and, um, ritual and, and, and all of these things. And so, um, when God tells Adam and Eve, uh, to rule over the earth, there's this royalty to that. So there's just like, they're, they're Kings and Queens, um, of the earth. And they're also to subdue it, um, to keep or, or, or to impose their will on it. This, the sacred space that God created um, and to even go out into it and, and continue to spread the glory of God. So there's this like role that they were mediators. Um, that's probably a simpler way to say it. They were mediators between God and creation, mm-hmm. um, which we see later in the Old Testament that the role of the priests was that they would mediate between God and man. Um, right. There would have to be someone... Uh, because of now the presence of sin, there would have to be someone to mediate between God and man. But before sin, that it was God and, and his, his creation. Right. And Adam and Eve were then the priests, the royal priests. So it's really interesting that Melchizedek is seen as both. Yeah. He is this king. He's in charge of uh, the, the people of Salem. And then he's also this priest but even more so, he's, it says he's the he was a priest of God Most High. Um, so he is. It, it's like this line of this correct priest, king, royal thing is is going all the way back even to the garden. And then we see this Canaanite king um, confessing that God is is who he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, really, really interesting. So he basically, Melchizedek is being used as an instrument by God to make atonement for, you know, for the righteous. But he's also, you know, putting judgment up upon the people as their king. And he's, right, yeah. He's doing both, right? One is a priest and one is the king. Yeah, so, I mean, just even in his name, righteousness and peace. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, I, I see synonyms there of justice and 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 mercy in a sense. You know, like how, um, yeah, I mean, that's really who God is. Right, right? he's a minister of justice, um, and he extends mercy. So, like his whole um, purpose and role was to show righteousness, uh, to be a, a instrument of, of righteousness, um, and to keep peace. Um, so very different than the king of Sodom because, and I think, I think that's what's important here because this is going to, this is going to, when we, when we talk about Jesus, um, the model that Melchizedek gives is, is very, 
it's just very different than what the king of Sodom does. Um, so the king of Melchizedek, or the king of Melchizedek, Melchizedek, um, he comes to Abram and he isn't asking for anything. Hmm. He's not like saying like, Hey, I want all of this stuff now. Like the king of Sodom does. He actually brings what? Wine and bread. Yeah. So he's coming to bless Abraham, mm-hmm. shout out to Genesis 12, blessing to those that bless you and a curse to those mm. that, that curse you. So That's he's, good. he's blessing Abraham. Um, and what does Abram, what does what Abram do in response to that? He gives him a 10th of everything. Yeah. So like this generous King, um, Abram then, and we'll see in Hebrews later, like Abram ends up giving, some of his stuff to this guy. Right. Um, but then the king of Sodom, he's like, I don't want to owe you anything. Verse 21, <laughs> the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this so, is literally right after uh-huh. Abraham gave every, uh, gave a 10th to, to Melchizedek. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want to owe you anything. So, lest you say like Abram, um, or I, I I made Abram rich, right? You know, um, so there. I mean, there's a there's a lot there, but I think kind of the the biggest thing, and we'll come back, we'll we'll, we'll tie this again in the end. But like this difference between this generous king versus this greedy king, right. um, and how um, not only how Jesus would come to model that, but then how, what he expects from us. Yeah, um, I think a good place to to also kind of give the background of this is to understand what biblical scholars, because there's, there's this huge argument of who Melchizedek actually is. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so just, yeah, just a few. (laughs) And so we haven't solved the problem. You know, we're not here to say, thus saith the Lord, this is who he is. Um, but I think you and I both agree that there are a couple of interpretations. So I'll, I'll just give them really quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Run a couple. Um, some people believe that Melchizedek was from the line of Shem. Um, and so, you know, we see the the relationship between Noah and Melchizedek. Some people thought that Melchizedek was an angel, could have been Michael, the archangel. Some people believe that uh, Melchizedek was Jesus appearing here in pre, pre-incarnate form. Um, and then some people believe uh, that Melchizedek was just an upright and sincere, you know, just a dude, just a guy, just a historical character in, in the biblical narrative. And so, um, you and I both agree, I, th- I think, based off our research, that we believe in, in the latter, um, that Melchizedek was just a character of history. Um, and quickly, just to kind of go really quickly of why I, I think that, um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the first things I said that he could be from the line of Shem, you know, then why does, why in the book of Hebrews does it mention that he doesn't have a genealogy? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's support for Melchizedek being an angel, you know, textual support. And then for those who believe that, you know, Jesus, that he was Christ, um, (laughs) Hebrews says, you know, it calls Jesus a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I mean that that doesn't make sense. It's basically saying that Jesus is in the line of G, like the, in the line of Jesus. Yeah, 
and I, yeah, and I, I think instead of simply saying he was Melchizedek, right? Right. Yeah, and I, I think probably the, I think the reason why I would lean more towards like he he was just a dude. Um, he was he was a righteous king priest. Um, is is there's a greater I think line that's being drawn of yeah. this like priestly line. Um, that even the author of Hebrews recognizes that, you know, it's not that Jesus was like Melchizedek. He specifically says, no, Melchizedek was like the son of God. Mm. Um, so there is some tension there. If like, well, then if that was Jesus, like a, what's that word? A Christophany. Christophany. Yeah. yeah. That's fancy. Um, if it, you know, if this was a pre-incarnate, uh, but, I, but again, I don't think most of the purpose of that is just to figure out who he was as he, as more of like who he's pointing to. Right. Um, so there, yeah. So, so, so one, th- one thing I want to talk about before we get, um, into Hebrews. Um, so I'm, I'm pulling a lot, um, just the, the two, real authors and, and dissertations I'm pulling a lot from is Dr. Joshua Matthews um, wrote really his whole dissertation on um, what, who is Melchizedek and why that matters. Um, and then Dr. Amy Peeler, who uh, specifically is looking um, into, you know, she does her dissertation on, on the book of Hebrews essentially. Mm. So that's, that's really who a lot of this is, is from. Um, but Dr. Matthews, he, he spends a lot of time um, actually connecting Melchizedek uh, to uh, a pretty obscure character that, you know, I, we don't spend a lot of time on, and it's Jethro. Um, that Jethro actually, so, so quick, quick context, Jethro is um, Moses' uh, father-in-law. Um, he is this... Midian priest. Um, we see him earlier in Exodus, but I think really where he comes out the most is Exodus 18. So uh, he he comes to Moses. Moses has, well, actually, let, let me back up before that. Um, God comes to Moses, right? Um, and he reveals who he is uh, to Moses, that he is Yahweh. He's the God of uh, your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and so on. Um, and then he charges Moses with this task of you are to lead the people. Um, so in a, in a kingly role, you're right. to lead them. Yeah. Um, and then also you are to be a mediator uh, between me and between the people. So you're saying he was supposed to be a king and a priest? And a prophet. Why the prophet, Caleb? Yeah, so... <laughs> So he was to um, communicate really the the word of God, right? And and I think one of the things that we real quickly, I think one of the things that we miss when we talk about Melchizedek is that uh, the text doesn't specifically say that he's a prophet yeah. carrying out the word of God, but he gives basically a mini sermon after Abram returns. Right? He says, "Blessed be Abram." Mm-hmm. Create, you know, he talks about God. Praise be to God who delivered your enemies into your hand. Basically, Melchizedek is presenting Abram to the entire world and, and declares that only with him in his house and his family, you know, is can salvation be found. Right. Right. And so um, Luther, Martin Luther talked about how this could have potentially been a sermon and how souls could have been won. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, it's good doing the job of a prophet, a person who carries out the word of God, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So really that's what, um, what God wanted Moses to be was this, again, we're drawing this line from Adam all the way to Jesus of like really what it means to not only be a prophet, priest, uh, king, but, but ultimately like what it means to be made in the image of God. Hmm. Um, and Moses and his unbelieving self uh, refuses uh, to do that. He says, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not qualified. I, you know, I'm, I'm bad at speaking, uh, just all of these things. And he just over and over again, he refuses God. Um, and God gets mad at him. <laughs> God, God um, I mean, it says God gets angry. Um, and then he says, all right, well, then your brother Aaron um, will, will help you. And so... I know, like I can see from the text, um, and, and Doctor uh, Matthews argues this as well, that that probably wasn't the ideal, is that Moses and Aaron would share this weight, because if that was the case, God would have just led with that, right? But in, it's when He says, "All right, your brother will just he'll help you," that was not, that was not the ideal situation. We see actually that from the the ironic um, uh, line, you know, would come Levi. And so you had, you know, you had to be a Levite uh, to be a priest. But that was a really messy line. I mean, we see Aaron met, drops the right. ball big time with the Ten Commandments. And then he's literally like helping Israel, like make this golden calf. His sons do something weird um, when they're the priests. Yeah. Um, you know, Levi's sons do weird things when they're priests. So like, it's a pretty imperfect uh, system um, or line that, that is drawn from, from Levi. So really it, it, it appears that like, man, Moses, you, you could have been what, what was supposed to be. Um, and so we actually see then. So going back to Jethro that again, this outsider outside the, the, the um, chosen people of God he actually comes and he, and he, and he models what Moses should have been. Mm. Um, so he, he comes as this, um, with, with authority, he comes and he, and he confesses, you know, who God is, um, very similarly to what Melchizedek does when, uh, he says, yeah, I, I can see that God is who he is. Cause this is a miraculous thing. Like he, he has rescued you. So the Israelites were rescued by God from the Amalekites um, and then Jethro comes and he says, man, I can see what, that God is, is, is a rescuer. He is delivering you from your enemies. Um, and then he gives wisdom. He gives wisdom to, um, to Moses. Do you remember what like, he tells Moses to do? Yeah, to basically delegate. Yep. <laughs> I thought you were gonna like continue. Short on and sweet to the point. <laughs> yeah, so he he tells him to to delegate authority because you know Moses, you can't you can't be a proper ruler, king, lead type figure over all of these people if you're trying to do all this yourself. Right. So Jethro's coming to help Moses be a better king. Lead, yeah, be a better king in over a these sense. people. Yeah. Um and. It, it talks about how he's 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 a priest and he and he's and he confesses um, this is who God is. But I think the the coolest tie I saw 
um, is right after Jethro does all like has all this discussion with Moses immediately after that is Exodus 19 Mount Sinai. So Mm. the sign of the covenant, the 10 commandments that God would give to the Israelites is this distribution of the sign of the covenant. And we go back to Genesis 14 when Melchizedek um, gives this blessing to Abram. And then Genesis 15 is the sign of the covenant. Mm. That's good. So it's like there's these two massive connections between the two that we're like, we're supposed to see this. We're supposed to see that, man, these guys are operating in this kind of like unique role. Like they, yeah, I mean, they look like what God intended for humans to be. Right. So, I mean, it's really, really interesting. Um, well, really interesting there. So, yeah, so I think, and I think so getting into now the New Testament connection here, um, getting into Hebrews, um, I don't think the writer of Hebrews was just like in his exposition of Melchizedek. I don't think a lot of this was just creative interpretation. I think he is purposely going back uh, to some of these some of these stories. I mean, we see in um, Psalm 110, it draws a lot of these like, readings around God as, as rescuer, um, God as, as deliverer. Um, and the, yeah. Um, uh, is it, is it, is, is that Psalm the, 110? Yeah, yeah. But is that the one where like in the order of Melchizedek? Yeah. That's where that comes. That's in verse four. Yeah. So like it's broken up into two sections, right? One section is, um, the deliverer as, as a King. And then the other section is as a priest. Yeah. And so, and then it calls back to Melchizedek. If you want to read it. Yeah. So, well, I won't, I won't, yeah, but you're right. Like verse four, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Um, the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush Kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations. Yeah. Crushing rulers of the whole earth. So just like tying those two stories together with this Psalm, it's after this like war with the nations in a sense that, then these two priest kings give this declaration of, oh, wow, God is, he's, he's the real deal. He is the real God. Um, and then we see this statement of like, okay, now you're a, you're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, um, talking about Jesus, right? So the, the, the author of Hebrews is, is, is connecting Jesus with this guy, Melchizedek. Um, I, I don't, that's why I don't think that, um, he was just playing fast and loose. I, I think he really was seeing these stories and putting them in context of, okay, how is, how is this guy, how is this priest King of Salem? How, in, in light of him, how are we supposed to see Jesus? Yeah. So fast forward to the book of Hebrews, the writer has a lot to say, um, about this guy. So how about you, uh, how about you pick up, pick up there? Yeah. One of the first things that we have to understand about Melchizedek and the writer of Hebrews is in chapter five, um, he talks about how Jesus compared to Melchizedek. It's a very hard subject for them to understand. Mm. Um, and we kind of see that today. Like 
scholars debate it. We've debated it. We still don't understand fully what it means. Um, but in chapter 5, verse 6, uh, the writer Hebrew says this. We have much to say about this, talking about Melchizedek, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And so, you know, he's saying, um, we we're, we understand that the writer's trying to say, hey, I want to tell you very deep, very sound and theological things about why Jesus and Melchizedek are related in a sense, but it's very difficult to me because you're ignorant and it's, it's a weighty subject. And so for us, who, that's, that's hopeful. <laughs> um, and so for us who barely understand what a priest's role is, um, barely understand what a King's role is because we just don't have that in our society. Obviously it's going to be very hard for us to understand, yeah. um, the role Melchizedek plays in, you know, in the story of Christ. And so, um, what we do understand is the role of of Christ being the better priest and the better sacrifice. Right, which is what, you know, most of Hebrews is. It talks about how Christ is greater than the angels. Christ right. is the true human. Christ is better than Moses and, right. and so on and so on. And so one of the things, that's a really good point that you actually bring up. So when we think about it, Christ is the better Abram, right? And what does Abram do when he meets Melchizedek? Well, in the book of Hebrews, it basically tells us that um, Abram essentially says, Melchizedek, you're you're greater than I am because in those days, you know, you don't bring an offering to someone who's lower to you. Mm -hmm. And so Abram is basically saying, Melchizedek, I'm lower than you. Please take these these offerings. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about Christ being a greater Abram, you know, we also need to talk about Christ being a greater Melchizedek. And here's why. Yeah. Um, Priests have to offer sacrifices, not only for the nation, but for themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. To keep themselves clean from, and when they enter um, the Holy of Holies, priests have to make sacrifices that aren't perfect that are incomplete, right? And lastly, priests have to make sacrifices continually because it's, they're not complete, and so they have to keep on going, you mm -hmm. know, every day and every year. And so under the old sacrificial system in the Old Testament, um, priests were to offer sacrifices for themselves. When we talk about Christ, you know, he's perfect, and so, therefore, he doesn't need to cleanse himself. He actually becomes dirty. He becomes sin for us to mm -hmm. rescue us from sin. Okay? And so, if Christ is perfect and he offers himself as a sacrifice, therefore, the sacrifice is perfect. Right? Yeah. And so, since Christ is perfect and he offers himself as a sacrifice, it's a perfect sacrifice, mm -hmm. which means that we don't need to keep on repeatedly doing it. Yeah. It's complete. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things one of the commentators stated is in the Holy of Holies, they didn't have chairs. Oh yeah, this is so good. Um yeah. and what that meant was basically the work was never finished. The work was never done. You can never rest. Mm. You have to continually 
offer sacrifices because you are a sinner. Hmm. When Christ says it is finished, he ascends to heaven and he takes a seat at the right hand of God, essentially saying, it's done. Yeah. It's over. And he takes his so re- good. He takes the role of a king because you know later we're we're going to learn that the enemies are going to be at his footstool. Mm-hmm. He made a sacrifice like the priest, and then what does he do? What does he tell his disciples? Go and make disciples of all nations. Go yeah. be prophets. Go speak yeah. the word. And so, God, uh, Jesus is the better Melchizedek because he's the better priest. He's the better king, and ultimately, he's the better prophet. Well, and one of the one of the reasons that um, you know specifically the things that uh, the author of Hebrews is saying about Melchizedek here is um, some of the early like Jewish believers would have questioned, well, how could Jesus be priest because he didn't come from the line of of the Levi, Levi, right? And so, like, I mean, we talked about this earlier that like the um, the Le- the Levitical system came from Levi, which which came from Aaron. So, like, if if you were to be a priest, you had to come from that line. Um, but the author of Hebrews is saying, well, actually, there was a greater priestly line, and it was in the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. Um, because that line was this priestly king line, right? We thought Moses could do that, but he, he refused that. So like with Melchizedek, we also saw with Jethro, they were they were both of these things. Mm-hmm. And so as you said, um, Jesus was not only like the one offering sacrifice with himself, acting as priest, but the royal language of ascension. He's ascending to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, the, the, the enemies at, at his feet, there is this kinship there. Now he is, he has taken his rightful place, um, as King. That's why, um, saying that he's in, he's in the order of Melchizedek is because he is now this priest prophet King, right? The true priest prophet, um, King. And so that really, that's what the author of Hebrews is, is saying that actually that was a greater line but he's not saying Melchiz- or he's not saying Jesus is like Melchizedek. Right. He's actually saying no Melchizedek is like Jesus. Right. Cuz that like the the idea of like priest and that wasn't like a human thing like that existed before humanity. I mean it talks about how angels were were um priests, they're mediators uh, or they were ministering uh to God. So like whatever happened really on earth was this like what what was happening kind of in heaven. So like Jesus has forever been um this this role in right. a sense. This yeah. this king it's he's never not been sovereign. Um so it is it, it is you know important that um he's seen as he's seen as as such. Um, to validate really his role as both high priest um, and and as king, right? Um, and why is why is verse three important in in, in chapter seven? Yeah, yeah. So it, I was going to mention that as you were talking. Um, it says he is talking about Melchizedek. He is without a, 
father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. And and this is what you were talking about. But resembling the Son of God. It doesn't say the God the Son of God resembling Melchizedek. It says, yeah. but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest for forever. And so when we talk about or, or when you hear the argument that Melchizedek didn't have a genealogy, therefore he could be um a Christophany of um, of Christ, I think, and and other scholars think that the writer of of Genesis isn't saying, okay, he didn't have a father, he didn't have a mother. He it's basically just saying like we're not going to mention his genealogy because this is going to point to um, the ultimate priest who's not going to have a beginning or an end, who's yeah. not going to have um, this earthly geneal genealogy. He's going to transcend time. He's going to be before and he's going to be after. Yeah. And and so um, Genesis is really pointing and highlighting the fact that Christ isn't going to have a beginning and it's not going to have an end. You yeah. know, he, he he's always been. Yeah. I mean, without beginning of days or end of life resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever, uh, forever, um, which which goes back to, to what you were saying, that yeah. Christ always was and always will be a priest, a king and a prophet. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think the last thing really that was fascinating, um, again, I'm, I'm pulling from Dr. Peeler here, um, is th- just these themes of like family that run throughout um, the book of Hebrews that really like the author, it's like the bedrock from which their arguments um, or, or the arguments they make in Hebrews. It, it comes from this theme of of family where it's this discussion around how God is father, right? So chapters one and chapters 12 are like these, these bookends, um, of, of the, of the book of Hebrews around how God is father. And then like, he's talking about how Christ is his son and then jump forward to the end of the book of Hebrews. It's, it's, it's a discussion around like how you and I, are like the sons and, and the daughters um, of God and how like Jesus is in a sense, like our brother, which a lot of us might get yeah. uncomfortable with that. Cause we're like Makes maybe completely uncomfortable uh-huh. in our tradition. But I mean, it's, it's biblical cause we can go um, to Matthew. Yeah, um, well, Mar- well first like Mark, Mark three, it talks about those that do the will of God are my mother, um, are my brothers. Brother. Romans yeah. eight talks about this adoption into the sonship, um, this inheritance that, that we receive. Um, so it really is that like Christ is our older brother. Um, and, and that wouldn't have been that weird to an ancient reader because the idea of like an older brother fulfilling the role of the father. So like if the father dies, then it's his job now to take care of the family. Um, so I just, I love seeing that like, because Hebrews talks about this again, where it's like he is the pioneer of our faith. So like he has gone before us. He is um, showing the way for his family. Hmm. Uh, he's showing what it means to, I mean, really what it means to be human um, is is to step into this role of, of ruling over over the earth. Because when we get to Ephesians 2, it's uh, in verse 6, for he raised us up from the dead along with Christ seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
So that, that that's royal language there. That yeah. was the man. That was the beginning. Yeah. Is that we were made in the image of God as um, these kings and queens of of the earth to rule over the earth to rule over and the everything earth. was under our dominion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the authors of of Hebrews even says that. What is it? I think it's where is this at? Um. Oh snap. This is what we call stalling, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is what, oh, um, yeah, Hebrews, I'm sorry, Hebrews 2, yeah, chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, um, the author quotes Psalm 8, which is, what is mankind that you are mm. you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him, you made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet, man, we had everything. Yeah, we had everything, and now really nothing is is subject to us. And then the author would continue to say um, that Jesus now um, he came to do what we couldn't do. He was the perfect human. He was the perfect one who fully obeyed God, mm-hmm. um, and now he is he has he has gone through death and beat death. I'm seated with God as this king, as this prophet, as as this priest forever. Um, he, and Ephesians one twenty two would then say, "Now God has put everything under His feet." And then Ephesians two, that's our future. Right. We will one day be fully united with Him to do again what we were supposed to do from the beginning. So I mean. Priest is—it's a weird concept to us. It wouldn't have been to them, to them, but really, that is how we are to operate: is as these prophets, as these priests, as as these kings. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about before the show in our show notes. Um, we see this, and I, I kind of brought it up, but man, can you just like break down, um, the Great Commission? And how we see kings, priests, and prophets. Um, so this is this is the application. Um, is Genesis one? Man, we could spend forever here. Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. It's this idea that we're made in the image of God, right? Mm. Um, but come, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Um, and so if, if we were fully made, you know, in the image of God before sin, then that means that we, and I, I, I said this before, but, but I'll say this again, that we, that Adam and Eve were to embody all of those roles as prophet, priest, and, and king. Because of sin, that's been fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't fully be all of that. Um, but so, so they were supposed to be pro- uh, prophets. Yeah, declaring, you know, declaring the excellencies, the word of right. God throughout the earth. Kings, they were supposed to be Rule everything the earth, subdue, under the dominion. Yep, yeah, everything under them. Yep. And then priests, the yep. mediators, mediators between God and and creation. Gotcha. Um, and now we do some of those things. Um, even, even, you know, even after salvation, I mean, some of us are better at 
some of those things than, than others, which I think is the beauty of the church, right? So in right. Ephesians 4, God gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. So, I mean, those are those are specific functions, roles, you know, within the church. Some Not everybody's called uh, to be um, like a pastor in a sense, um, but everybody has different spiritual gifts. So Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, like, you, like all of those should benefit the church. Um, and then again, he, the, he, in that same chapter, he talks about how we're all of the same body, right? right. So like there is this unity that when we are all working together, um, it looks like Eden in a sense. Mm. Like it, we, we are, the church embodies really what it means then to be made in the image of God, of, of serving one another. And gosh, we, we didn't even touch this, but like how, um, one of the, what was so significant, I think, about Melchizedek is he didn't come to ask and take, but he came to serve and yeah. give. And Jesus would say, man, I didn't come just to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom uh, for many. And then he would call his bride, his church, to do that, to serve one another, to care one another, to love the community. To, to spur each other on. To spur each other on. And And there's this thing, and we didn't even talk about this, but... Um, in the book of Galatians, uh, one of the commentators reflected on the fact that Paul meets Peter and it just, the text says that they spent 15 days together and that's it. That's all it says. And so the commentator speculates that, I mean, (laughs) you know, you can't just talk about the weather for 15 days. You know, they, they talked about spiritual things, things that were going on in the church advice, probably breaking down, you know, what happened to Paul, you know, his conversion and what's happening in the churches, things like that, giving each other advice, spurring each other on, helping each other. Mm-hmm. And so the commentator reflected on, you know, the fact that Abram, who, you know, is is basically bringing uh, information about how God is going to restore uh, the nations, you know, through the covenant that he made with him. Yeah. And then Melchizedek, who's a priest probably yeah. would have brought the priestly side of this and they would have talked about offerings and they would have mm-hmm. talked about what it meant to be a priest. And so, um, though the text doesn't say it specifically, I'm, they would have talked and had conversations about, okay, what did God, what is the covenant going to look like? And Abram would have told him, yeah. okay, Melchizedek, what does it mean to be a priest? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they probably, maybe, possibly not, one can hope would have talked about, okay, how is God going to bring um, a greater priest, a greater king, and a greater prophet through you? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be Isaac in the future? You know, is it going to be your son? Yeah. Um, How how is this, how is this going to happen? Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I think the application for us is, like you said, we all have different roles we play within the church. And I think it's, our jobs to spur on the Melchizedeks and to spur on the Abrams and, and to build each other up and to give each other information of like, Hey, I'm really good at evangelism. Hey, you know, I'm really, Mm -hmm. you know, I I have a passion for worship. Let's blend those things together and let's make the church look like the church, like the bride of Christ. Yeah. And, and, and even though like we are better at some things, we are all still called to the same calling of Royal priests. Right. Like that's just, that's just who we are. That's who we were made yeah. to be. And so like, I mean, I, I, I see that like a very clear example. I see that in like, um, what it means to be a pastor, like personally, like just there's an administrative side to leading. That's very King type, 
language, their priest is, you know, like, um, exercising like the liturgy of like Sunday and then like, you know, just the, the rituals and, and stuff like that. And then like prophet de- declaring the word of God. It's so like, I, I say that very personally, but also like for everybody, it's in the great commission. Hmm. And if we believe that, which I've talked about this before, like Genesis one, 26 through 28, like it is this, or the great commission is this callback to that go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to observe everything I commanded you. All three roles are present there. Hmm. Break it down. So break it down. Break it down, Kayla. Go and proclaim the gospel. Prophet. Preach the word of yeah. God. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Ooh, Holy the Spirit. Priest. Ritual, right? Yeah. The sign of the covenant. <laughs> yeah, the sign of the covenant that you have been marked washed. and saved and washed. And it, again, oh, it doesn't save you, yeah, right? But good. like it, it, it is this declaration that man, I have been saved, and everybody is. It's not just pastors that are called to do that. Jesus wasn't saying, "Pastor, go baptize." He said, "All believers, go do this. Go exercise this. Like I command you to do this, and then um, this teach them to observe, like." walk with them this like lead them in a sense that that that, that's like kingly language like it's not and it's not a ruling over because paul would say imitate me as i imitate christ Christ. yeah um because christ is truly our 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 ruler but there is this like now i am responsible that's what kings and queens do they're responsible for the people Hmm. i'm responsible for this person to, to show them what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, if, if you're not convinced that all of us are called to be a prophet, priest, king, um, man, look at the Great Commission because um, it's there. And um, we, can, we can see how to fully do that in the life of Jesus. He is our pioneer, and he has modeled that, and he walks with us in that. Um, but, man, that is our great hope one day is that we will be fully united with him um, and rule along with him um, yeah. this this great new great new world <laughs> that is uh, the new creation. So, man, that was a lot. Um, too much. It, too, n- too much, but not enough. Um, we we can, didn't even, like, I mean, you quoted two people who had dissertations on this. We didn't scratch the surface yeah well and i'll i'll link some show notes uh or in the show notes um those works because they're they're so good um and there's a lot more even about this but um this is a massive theme that's going to develop all throughout scripture is just i mean what does it what does it mean to be human i Mm. guess yeah um this is this is just getting into some of that so um thanks bro no problem, man. Anything else? Mm, go make disciples. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, next week we'll uh, we'll look at the sign of the covenant um, with Abraham um, and, and God. Uh, but until then, see you next week. See you guys. <laughs>